Please listen carefully. Hey, and welcome to Caveat Realtor with Virginia Realtors, where we discuss the real issues that realtors face. I'm Laura Farley. And I'm Kate Orslan. Remember, Caveat Realtors is meant to provide general legal information. Nothing we discuss should be considered as legal representation or legal advice. Hi, Kate. Hey, Laura. I feel like I haven't seen you in forever. It's been a while. It has been. You've been out and about. I have. I've been traveling all over the Commonwealth. Teaching everywhere. Yes, and I just would like to say it is good to see you, and I'm glad that you're not dead. Thank you. Um, I will have to say me too on that note. I'm glad to hear. I'm also glad that you're still alive and well. (laughs) I'd be a little concerned if you wished (laughs) ill on me like that. We need you around here because I don't know what we'd do without you. Aw, I feel loved. So on that note, today we're going to discuss policies to have in place if a broker or salesperson dies. Uh, Besides the obvious emotional toll it takes on all members of the office, there are certain business practices that need to be addressed. So absolutely. The death of any member in a real estate office can be a, a very emotional time. And that's why it's really important to have a plan in place in the event that there is a death in the firm or if a broker or salesperson becomes incapacitated or somehow unable to come to work. Sure. When uh, when there are pending real estate contracts, time can really become critical very quickly. Sure. You don't want to miss any deadlines. Right. And can make sure that you're still communicating with your clients. Um, so if a broker dies or becomes incapacitated and there are other qualified brokers in the firm then the brokerage firm can have another qualified broker assume responsibility for the office. To do this, you'll want to complete the applicable broker change form, which is available on DPOR's website. And to be honest, this is probably the best case of the worst case scenarios. Way to find that silver lining. (laughs) It's really going to be the easiest for any office continuity issues. Although, of course, it doesn't remove any of the emotional component and you know, general feelings associated with losing a coworker. Right. But as you said, it would help smooth the transition, especially from the client's perspective, because they may not notice a change with, with continuity. Right. If the broker was the only broker at the firm, however, then there needs to be someone to take over the business and wind it down with any open transactions. Virginia law allows the real estate board to approve the continuity of the deceased broker's business for 180 days following his death to, to conclude any pending business that may be open. And so to do this, the real estate board, there's a number of people that the real estate board is allowed to appoint one person from a number of qualified individuals. And the list is a personal representative qualified by the court to administer the deceased broker's estate. If there's no personal representative qualified, then an agent designated under a power of attorney of the disabled or deceased broker, which designation expressly references the law. If there's no agent designated pursuant to either of those options, then the executor nominated in the deceased broker's will. If that's not an option, then an adult family member of the disabled or deceased broker. And if there's no adult family member nominated, then an employee of the disabled or deceased broker. And finally, in the event that none of the those are available or suitable, the board may appoint any other suitable person to terminate the business within 180 days. And so it doesn't really matter if that person is licensed. They can appoint anybody to, to act as a licensee for 180 days to wind up just Absolutely. those transactions. Okay. Yeah. 
And, and so obviously this is something that you're going to want to have previously discussed with an attorney and especially any person who may be des designated to take over the business in the event of the broker's death. So you don't really want to spring that on somebody. You kind of want them to know. Right. That this is a possibility. Um, and it's in your the... wish that they're the ones who wrap, wrap up your business. And this is going to be really, really important for a small or boutique firm where there may not be multiple brokers. You know, if you're a sole proprietor, you only, you're the only broker, then you really need to make sure you have that plan in place. Absolutely. And, you know, if you haven't put a plan into place in the event of your death or incapacitation, the courts will end up deciding for you. And I don't, I don't know about you, but I would much rather have a say in what happens to my business than leaving it up to individuals who aren't familiar with it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, as a lot of you know, we frequently will say that what a judge decides depends on what they had for breakfast that morning. And with my luck, they would have had a bowl of cold cereal and be miserable and pick the worst possible person <laughs> to, 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 to wind up Hopefully my business. they would remain impartial, but <laughs> right. judges are people too, is what it comes down to. Right. Um, so not only is it very important to have a designated agent to wind up your business, but you also want to have a clear plan laid out for all other agreements incidental to operating the real estate business. It's always a best practice to have these plans in writing, and one option would be to include some of them in the office policy and procedures manual. Absolutely. So, you know, running a real estate business, there's a lot of other agreements that go into place. So some of the issues that you really should plan for are physical office space. Does the broker own it or is it under a lease? If the broker owns it, is its disposition clearly laid out in his or her will? If it's a leased property, what provisions are in the lease? And, and this could be really, really important because if the lease contains a provision that says that the lease itself terminates in the event of the death of the broker or the owner of the company, then that could leave any agents who are working for the firm with no access to the physical office space. And if there are files stored there, it could create problems for them. Absolutely. Uh, another issue to have some plan for is account information. And this includes escrow accounts, expense accounts, and insurance accounts. You want to make sure that you have this information located in a centralized place so that a designated agent, and I'm using designated agent to mean the person you have designated, not as in what we all know of in agency law, can access your accounts, disperse funds as necessary, and pay any outstanding bills or debts. So, for example, if agents are wrapping up transactions, they still need to be covered by E&O insurance. And if the firm is paying for them, you know, paying on behalf of them, you want to make sure that that account stays active. So that agent needs to be able to ensure that they're still covered and pay any outstanding bills. And the same thing goes with the utilities. If, if those are not being covered by a landlord in a rented unit, and if even if the broker owned it, you're gonna have, somebody has to pay to keep the lights on. Absolutely. And while we recently discussed cybersecurity and office security, you want to make sure that whatever account information you are sharing is still secure. You don't want to leave a list of passwords and accounts in a notebook on top of your desk. I mean, that, that would obviously be a very bad idea. Absolutely. That could be a problem. But certainly. you do want to have a, a plan. And whether you adopt a password manager or have some other secured space to share login information for these accounts, that'd be great. So, for example, my parents have started planning on if something happens to them because they travel so much, they have a list of their accounts and all of their passwords and everything that's in the safe in their house. And I know how to access that safe. And what is the safe and their address? So they <laughs> are, you know, but so if you have something like that where maybe you keep them in separate files, but there is somebody who knows where to find those two files or you keep them in a secure location like a safe and somebody else knows how to access it, 
that's one way of keeping it secure but also accessible absolutely and you can certainly discuss this with you know the it professional who helps your office um, yes on some really good strategies for accomplishing this absolutely it guys can be your friend so another aspect is client notification you will need to notify your clients so make sure all agents and brokers keep a centralized list of their clients so that clients can be notified in a timely manner of any changes um, this is really important to make sure all deadlines for pending sales are met and clients are aware of any potential interruption in service remember any agreement signed by the client for representation is with the broker and not an individual agent in the firm you should be prepared in the event clients decide they want to seek new representation and understand the implications in the contract or whether you would just want to provide them with a release. Right. And those are wishes. You know, if you have personal preferences, those are things you may want to communicate to whoever you want to be taking over the business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agents also need to consider their plan. So we've been talking a lot about what brokers need to do, but we also want to make sure agents are aware of this and making plans. Real estate salespersons are most commonly classified as independent contractors, so they still retain a significant amount of control over their own business. Like brokers, they will also want to make sure that the account information is laid out clearly in a designated space so that it can be easily accessed, bills can be paid, and accounts can be closed as appropriate. You know, like we were just talking about with the notification of clients, agents also want to maintain a comprehensive list of clients, the status of each transaction, and necessary contact information for the clients and the agents uh, facilitating the other side of the transaction. Right. This can help other agents in the brokerage firm assume responsibility for those clients and ensure the clients are able to proceed smoothly with their transactions. Your broker should have, and brokers, this is important, to have a policy on client files and maintaining those files. Mm -hmm. But agents, you're the ones who need to actually adhere and implement those policies. It's great to have policies, but when no one's following them, they become worthless. Right. Brokers and agents should also understand what provisions are in the independent contractor agreement regarding payment and or the office policy manual. So agreements about payment can be either in the independent contractor agreement or they can be in the office policy manual. This will dictate what will happen when an agent earned a fee but died before the fee was actually paid. And that certainly comes up because, you know, the Virginia rules and regulations require an individual to, to be licensed to be compensated for certain real estate activities. And provided the deceased individual had a valid license at the time of these activities, it certainly would not be unlawful for a broker to pay a previously earned fee to the estate of the deceased salesperson. Right. However, to avoid confusion or the potential for a lawsuit, brokers, you really need to have your practices and policies clearly laid out in writing. It's always better to have that laid out up front so there's you don't have to fight about it later. Absolutely. It's really not a time you want to be getting into these fights with the family of a deceased agent. Right. There, you know, There are just a lot of nuances to running a business, so the most important thing to do is to look at the overall status of your business and see how you can provide instructions to others in the event of your death or incapacitation so your business can be wound down appropriately or so that others can assume appropriate responsibilities for your clients. Right. So, Kate, let's now go ahead and take it to the legal hotline. Sounds good. An agent died unexpectedly and had pending listings and active transactions. Is the firm permitted to pay him a fee that he earned prior to his death? Absolutely. We touched on this earlier. This would be permitted. All agreements are technically with the broker, not the individual agents. The broker would have the discretion on how to handle those accounts. 
You should review the office policy manual, independent contractor agreements, and any other written agreement with the agent to see if they require certain actions. Otherwise, he's really free to exercise discretion provided that the salesperson was licensed at the time of the real estate activity that required a license. Right. So if they were licensed when the commission was earned, then they can be paid even if after death. Absolutely. Okay. Laura, when an agent dies and there's a pending contract for a sale of a house, does it affect the contract? Well, the agent's death really has no bearing on the validity of the contract for the sale of a house, assuming that they were not the buyer or the seller themselves. The contract on the house is between the buyer and the seller, and the agent is not a party to that contract. While they're a third-party beneficiary so that they, you know, they do have some rights under it, they're not a party to it, so their death shouldn't impact it. Right. So, Kate, does the agent's client still have to pay commission even though he or she died? The deceased agent's client would still be bound by the terms of the brokerage agreement with the broker, and if required by the contract, he or she would still need to pay the commission. Remember, again, the agreement is with the broker, not the individual agent. Right. And if it was the broker who died, you would still potentially have to pay the commission to the broker's estate because the broker's estate may owe a cooperative commission to the other side. Certainly. So let's talk about some ways that you can limit your risk. First of all, plan ahead. Establish a well-thought-out plan with your attorney or some other agent that can help. You want to write down this plan and let others in your office know about it. Third, you want to have policies clearly laid out in your office policy manual. And for agents, you want to be aware of what those policies are regarding this. And everyone wants to set up a time to periodically review their plan. As your business grows and changes, you want to make sure that the office continuity plan is still accurate and covers all areas that are necessary. It's one thing when you're the only person in the firm, but as you start growing and you hire agents to work for you, then your plan is obviously going to need to evolve and change. Absolutely. And on top of that, the person that you want to wind down your business may be changing. You know, you may have had an older, trusted, um, you know, person that maybe was a mentor as you got into the business that you wanted. And if they've retired, you may need to find somebody else that would now be the person you're designating to help wind up your business. Those are all really good points. And, And just always remember that an outdated plan will almost be as ineffective as not having a plan in place. Thank you for joining us. Caveat Realtor is a weekly podcast with episodes released every Tuesday. Our podcast is available for streaming through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Subscribe to our podcast to get automatic updates when we have new episodes and rate us. Remember, members of Virginia Realtors have access to our legal hotline where we can provide you with legal information. You can access the legal hotline on the Virginia Realtors website under the legal tab on the four members section. Make sure you are logged in to see this page. Thanks. Although the members of this podcast are attorneys, the legal information in this program is not a substitute for personalized legal advice from an attorney licensed to practice in your jurisdiction. The information provided by Virginia Realtors is a general reference work in the public service and does not constitute solicitation or provision of legal advice. We provide this general legal information on an as-is basis. We make no warranties and disclaim liability for damages resulting from its use. Legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and laws are constantly changing. The information provided in this program should not be used as a substitute for the advice of competent counsel. This has been a production of Virginia Realtors, copyright 2017. This podcast features the song, Please Listen Carefully by Jazar, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike license.